0: Hi, I'm Audrey.
1: My name's Henry.
0: Welcome to our podcast, The Footnotes of Plato.
1: We're two A-level students trying to figure out all the the philosophy that we're studying.
0: And this is our first episode on our criticisms of Descartes. I hope you enjoy.
1: René Descartes was a 17th century philosopher who wrote meditations in the um, 1640s. He's often considered the father of modern philosophy, as he ignited so many other philosophers around the Age of Enlightenment to come out of their dogmatic slumbers. He wanted to create an entirely new philosophical edifice. And a lot of people use the analogy of the barrel of apples, um, that if there was one singular rotten apple, it could, rot an entire, it could rot an entire barrel. So you must tip them all out and examine each Apple individually so he basically created a system of doubt that rivals Pyro it's absolutely ridiculous but there are three main reasons why he doubts almost everything firstly there are illusions Um, we've all seen weird optical illusions um, on the internet that are moving (laughs) images when they really aren't moving or stuff like that. Or like, the, you know, you remember the one about the dress where people kept arguing over the colours of the dress? Oh,
0: yeah. Or and
1: the one where like it's Yanni or Laurel, you know, oh like these God, viral yeah. things that everyone seems to hear differently.
0: I mean, the one he uses mainly is like this idea of perception. So, you know, in the distance, something looks really small and then you go closer and you realise, oh, it's actually big. Wow. Um, and so... This is his reason for doubting his... This is this first reason for doubting his senses is that you can experience sensory illusions. And that is true. However, how do we know they're sensory illusions? We don't always use our mind to work out whether they're sensory illusions. I would say we use our senses. We further investigate an object. So we know that in the distance that something looks small and then we go closer and we realize wow this thing is actually big and then we learn that small things things look smaller in the distance and when we go closer they look big so whether the sense so this reason for doubting the senses it is valid but it's also like you also use the senses to realize why this thing W- why this was a sensory l- illusion so that's my first probably criticism of his first reason for doubting yeah um, it's
1: like the classic um, things look bigger in the wing mirror you know like okay. everyone knows that people figure that out because they look in a wing mirror and they're like wow that car looks really big <laughs> and like you use your senses to realise that it's essentially a sensual illusion so yeah that makes sense
0: yeah okay and his second reason for doubting
1: Well, he uses the analogy of sitting by a fire, and he's basically like, well, the fire feels real, the the armchair's quite comfy, um, I'm quite warm under my blanket, sipping some champagne or whatnot, the French do. (laughs) Like, I could be dreaming right now, and I would definitely not know.
0: So, his idea that we could be dreaming now, and that's why, um, and so therefore, what is happening now isn't reliable. However this implies that there's no difference between dreaming and waking, which isn't true. Like, first of all, I can say when I'm in a dream, I don't necessarily um, experience time continuously. You know, time isn't as solid as it is in real life. You know, you don't recognize time passing in the same way. Um, But, you know, that's just a counterexample to why I can say I'm not in a dream, but there's kind of a further problem with this idea that there is, no difference between dreaming and waking and that we could be dreaming and that is if there is no difference between dreaming and waking then why does it matter if we're in a dream isn't that reality then um and so essentially he's just saying that um if he takes it as fact that there's no difference between dreaming and waking or you can't distinguish between dreaming and waking then then why do we have these words, dreaming and waking, if we can't differentiate between the two? They are the same thing, according to Descartes, and I, I think that's wrong. So um, I would say that's actually not a good reason to doubt the world around him. The third um, reason why he doubts is he comes up with the evil genie hypothesis, and basically there could he imagines that there could be an evil genie controlling everyone and everything and tricking him into um about everything in existence including the three-dimensional world because so his his thing about dreaming was that um there could there could still be a three-dimensional world because where would we get the ideas and the dreams from you know um but now there's an evil genie and the evil genie can trick him about everything including the three-dimensional world and including things like mathematics um And when he says that the evil genie could trick him into um, into thinking mathematics is wrong, this is where he comes into like the probably one of his really big problems because he's he's if if mathematics can be flawed, then logic is flawed. So if the evil genie can trick him about his logic, then surely he doesn't know if. The logical process he's using in 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 this system of doubt in his philosophy is right because the evil genie can trick him, and that I, it's kind of just a bit like use use a bit more thinking. <laughs> but
1: later um, um, on, Kant also establishes that mathematics is a system of um, a priori synthetic knowledge. Yeah. So can mathematics really be altered? Yeah. If it's actually true out there in the world without any experience.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But um, for the most part, the evil genie um, system the, the thought process is just a thought experiment to try to give the strongest form of a sceptical argument that he can actually imagine. So yeah. we can establish that foundation of philosophy, which, of yeah. course, is his coquito.
0: So... Yeah, so basically what he's done here is he's eliminated all of the reasons, sort of, why his senses do not work and cannot tell him anything about the world. And, you know, we've criticized this along the way because we don't really think he's right. But um, he's basically established that he cannot trust his senses, so he but he can trust his mind his brain what he thinks so um and that is where true knowledge comes from so this is why he's a rationalist he thinks that all knowledge starts with the mind and that we can't trust ourselves uh, it's important to remember that Descartes wasn't a skeptic he just used uh the process of systematic doubt to uh build a solid foundation for knowledge but he um so but now he needs to try and kind of rebuild the world around him. He needs to prove that there is a three dimensional world and that he does exist. And he comes to the conclusion that, um, the, so the evil genie, if he is, if he exists, um, to deceive, to deceive him, to, for the evil genie to deceive him he must exist so he comes to the conclusion i think therefore i am and he says that this isn't actually a logical conclusion instead this is simply a something like um a, a vision a grasp of vision or i can't remember the exact wording he used but
1: he it was like it's basically saying that it's self evident it's yeah. something that's true in itself it's a it's an apparent thought
0: yeah. you know and I mean, we can question this, right? Um, and well, the
1: fact that he uses therefore it shows that it is clearly <laughs> yeah. logical deduction, but what not? Yeah, Never it mind. is.
0: It is a logical deduction. The premises are um, all thoughts of thinkers. There are thoughts now, therefore, there are thinkers to these thoughts, um, and so that's an
1: example of something that he didn't doubt as well all thoughts must have thinkers
0: yeah and yeah his his doubting is very in my opinion very kind of half-hearted and it's very like i'll doubt this but i won't doubt that and it's just kind of like doesn't quite work um but anyway so he 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 is determined that he exists his mind exists but his body does not necessarily exist. And the rest of the world does not necessarily exist. The only thing he knows for sure is that his mind exists. So he goes on to then say, to try and prove God's existence. And he can't prove God by using any of the, um, uh, um, a, a posteriori ways of improving uh, proving God. He has to purely prove God based on a priori. Um and he uses two arguments. The first argument is the trademark argument. And the second argument is the ontological argument. Um, and so Descartes, with the trademark argument, Descartes points out that um, he has an idea of God in his mind. Um, and that can't have come from nothing. And the only possible explanation for the idea of God, he thinks, is... Um, in his mind is that it was placed there by a god who was infinitely perfect so um he has an idea of an infinitely perfect being and this can only have come from being placed there by god an infinitely perfect being um i still run into a problem with this because he still hasn't proved that he's able to use logic um but you know, we, we go on. That's
1: just basically assuming that cause and effect is real. Yeah. That the, the effect on us of knowing the idea of a supreme being it has to be caused by a supreme being, which is an assumption rather than anything else.
0: Yeah. And it, it's, it's a very, it's an often used argument and it's very much like God, you know, we've seen God has been kind of socially created and i think that's more of my opinion and also like i mean that's my opinion god is a social construct in a sense you know it's it's passed down and he only and different cultures don't have this idea of an infinitely perfect being necessarily and so to claim that god exists because he knows he can imagine god some people can't
1: yeah just look at the pantheon of greek gods all the myths show that they are actually flawed
0: exactly there was no infinitely perfect being so is it necessarily true that the people in ancient greece had an idea of an infinitely perfect being um and so it's it's a very kind of half-hearted argument in my opinion Um, And then the second argument is the ontological argument. And at first sight, this appears to be an amazing argument, but then you kind of look at it back again, and you're just like, this seems like backward logic. And basically, the ontological argument is, Descartes believes God is a supremely perfect being. And so part of his perfection must include existence. If God does not exist he would not be a supremely perfect being because you could imagine a more supremely perfect being that does exist. <laughs> That's just a bit like, what? Um, and the often argument against this is the perfect island argument. So
1: so the perfect island was actually um, in a response to a different ontological argument presented by Anslem, but it still applies because um, Descartes assumed just like Anselm did, that a perfect, um, a being that necessarily existed was more perfect than a being that did not necessarily exist. And um, this monk called Gornlio or Mamoutier basically said, if we use the same rational line of thought, um, we can just will certain things into existence. And he uses the example of a perfect island. Like what use is a perfect island if it only exists in the mind? Um, To be perfect, to to have the facets of perfection, it has to exist. And we could also think of the perfect mountain and the perfect building and so on. And if anyone actually believes that there is a perfect island or a perfect mountain or a perfect building out there, then we probably think that they're joking because you can't just will things into existence just because you think that they're perfect in your mind. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like, you know, you can have this idea of perfection and you can say this is a perfect, like you can imagine a perfect island, but part of the existence of a perfect island, it doesn't follow that that island exists. Like part of that perfection can't be that it exists. That just seems like a logical absurdity um and so his idea here is very very questionable the reason why Descartes needs to prove God is because he says that God is all good and all loving blah 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 and so therefore God has to would not trick him about the world around him the world around him must be true and he must have a clear and distinct idea of the world around him because God exists and God wouldn't trick him. God is no deceiver. Um, and so here's where we come to his, the famous Cartesian circle, um, which is basically, he's using his idea that, that about God, his clear and distinct idea of God to prove God's existence. And he uses, he proves God's existence, his proof of God's existence, he uses to prove that he has clear and distinct ideas, which is a circle. It's circular logic. It doesn't work. Um, and I think th- this is his main criticism. He, he is a dualist and he comes into the mind body problem. How does the physical body react, um, interact with the conscious, non physical spirit mind? And he believed, Descartes believed that the physical body, um, they reacted through, and the, the two, interacted between the pituitary pituitary penile yes it's the the penile gland oh i think i've got that my favorite (laughs) um i've got that written here at least um but anyway so
1: do we look like biologists
0: (laughs) no (laughs) um but anyway so they they were connected through the penile gland but that kind of just moves the problem Right. You know, the the penile gland is still a physical thing. So it's still how does a physical thing interact with a non-physical thing? Like, you know, it's it's very, it's a very strange argument that doesn't seem to work. So I think in conclusion, Descartes, while being the founder of modern philosophy, essentially, he, he makes a lot of mistakes in his logic. And his way of thinking that to us just seemed kind of ridiculous now um but I'm glad he did it honestly yeah
1: because it birthed empiricism and even more rationalistful and you know, the critique of pure reason you know exactly. like Descartes very very bad writing and meditations <laughs> created a revolution in philosophy during the Enlightenment period <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to our ramblings. That was pretty uneventful, but um, I hope we see you next week.